0: Welcome to a message from Oasis Church. For more information about Oasis Church and how you can get connected, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Here's Pastor Mark Pearl. Enjoy the message. This morning I want to start in 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter, first chapter. 2 Peter chapter 1, and we'll begin there. I want to read just one verse. There's some other verses we're going to look at this morning as we have time here. But let's start there, 2 Peter and the first chapter. Got it? All right. Verse 4, the Bible says, "...whereby uh, are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption, That is in the world through lust. When we got born again, we escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. But now, having escaped that corruption, now being in the kingdom of God, we have what Peter called exceeding great and precious promises. Thank you for your excitement. That by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Now that's some good stuff right there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, uh, I, don't, I don't think you can gain better than partake of the divine nature. That's as good as it gets. Amen. And so, and one of the things that the, uh, Paul said, he said all the promises of God are yes and amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. So they're all, God's not holding back on anything. Now, think about this. I, I don't know. I never count them, so I don't know. I'm just taking what I, what I read somebody said, and there may be more than this, but somebody said there's over like over 700 promises from God in the Word, over 700 and some. And uh, do you know what it is, Pastor Jared, the number? But it was like 700 and some. And uh, uh, there may be more than that. But I thought, <laughs> I was thinking, what if we partook of every one of those promises? What would our lives look like? Because every one of those promises contains a portion of the divine nature of God. Hallelujah. And that's how, notice it didn't say that you would be, this is the King James, it didn't say you would be partakers, it said you might be, you might be, you might be. That's if you partake of them. So what I'm going to talk about this morning, just for a little while, is I'm going to talk about making a demand on the promises. Making a demand on the promises. Now, <clears throat> one one thing, you know, 1 John 1 9 tells us that uh, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the promise is that if we confess it, the promise is that he'll, he'll, he'll be faithful and just to cleanse us of our sins. To forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But the Bible says, if we confess, so it says you have to make a demand on the promise. Amen? And I I want to talk about making a demand on the promise. I don't know if this is going to go over uh, as one of my greatest messages ever preached, but I'll tell you one thing, I'm expecting something good. Hallelujah. I'm expecting to stir us up to make a demand on the promises. Now, I want you to think about this. If If you have a bank account, if you have like a checking account, let's just say a savings account at the bank, how many know that that belongs to you? Doesn't it? Now, you may not physically possess it right now. It may not be in your pocket. It may not be in your billfold, but you have it on account. But, you know, you can't just walk into the lobby of the bank and say, hey, I want $500. There's a way to get it out. You got to put a demand on it, yes, right. Right. Amen? amen. You know, I, uh, I, I don't know. I haven't done it in so long. I don't take care of our uh, that that. I don't ever withdraw money out of the bank, other than through. You know, uh, uh, well, I guess I don't ever do it. I guess, I guess I just don't. Somehow it just magically appears. <laughs> but anyway. You know, Phyllis and I, and I, you know, if you don't know how to handle this, I don't recommend the way we do it, but we use a credit card and pay all of our bills with credit card. But then, but we put all that money in an envelope, and so it's there to pay for it. We don't just use the credit card and say, hope we got the money. Right. You're wow. getting trouble doing that, but right. the money's already there, but we get, you know, we get, uh, we get money back. Right. And, you know, and I don't know, sometimes it's quite a bit. I mean, sometimes it's a hundred bucks or she knows, whatever and all, and um, you know what I'm saying, so we just do it that way, and uh, we keep track of it, and also, I don't ever really go to a bank and ever go in there and, like, get money out of savings or money out of checking. Now, I used to, years ago, before we had all the stuff that we have today, you, you paid with cash. You know, today, you try to pay with cash, and they, like, they look at you dumb, like, what am I supposed to do with this? This actually spends, person. And so, you know, but the thing of it is, is, is you can't just go into the lobby of the bank and say, give me $500. There is a process to get your money out of the bank. Now, I'm assuming, in, in, like with us, we have an account number that you got to show them or <clears throat> maybe a card. I think I've got a card, a bank card in my billfold that's got a number on it. And you, I guess you show that to them and you give them your ID. And I'm assuming that's how you get it out. I don't know. But there's a process to get it out. Help me know. Y'all looking at me like, boy, pastor's really dumb. <laughs> it's just been a long time since I've done any of this stuff. You know what I'm saying? We just, I don't do this. I just throw the plastic out and, and, uh, you know, I know the money's in the envelope and she gets the bill and she pays it. Amen. Amen. If that system ever fails us, we'll get another system. But right now, it's been working good for years. so. <laughs> Amen. But there, there's a way. I say you've got to put a demand, right? You've got to put some kind of demand to get your money out. There, there's some way or another you've got to put a demand to get it out. It belongs to you, but you can't. They're just not going to just give it to you automatically. You got to put a demand on it. Well, the promises of God are the same way; they belong to you, but you're not. They're not going to just fall on you automatically. You got to put a demand on them. I've heard people say, "Well, if the Lord wants me healed, I'll be healed." Well, He wants you healed, and you're not healed. So that'll tell you something, shouldn't it? If God wants you to have something, you don't have it. I'll tell you something right there. I'm not somewhere. I'm not making connection, and there has to be a demand put on it. And I'm going to talk to you about that just for a little while today. I want you to go in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter five. Go there, Luke chapter five. So we have to make a demand on the promise if we want promises manifested in our life. And, and there are some, you know, just if you just read through the New Testament. Just if, Actually, if you just read through the letters to the churches, you know, from Romans uh, to, uh, uh, you know, Jude, and look at all the promises that are there that are ours. Praise God. There's something that will cover anything going on in your life. So there's something that will cover anything going on in your life. God's got you covered. Amen. Now, go with me to Luke chapter 5 and verse uh, 17. Luke 5, 17. It says, it, it came to pass on a certain day that as he, that, that he is Jesus, was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And notice this. I want you to see this, this phrase right here, this last sentence. And the power of the Lord was present to heal who? Yeah. If I say them. Yeah. All right, this isn't good English. Okay, I know that, but you'll get it. If the power of the Lord was present to heal them, them needed healed. Yes, that's right. True. Right. right? The power wouldn't be present. Don't you think that God would know whether them needed healed or not? Yep. Sure He would. So why, why would... Look, if, 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 if nobody needs healed, why would there be power present to heal? The power would be there to do something else... But not to heal, because them's healed. Amen. Amen. See, uh, the power is not present to give me, you know, uh, two feet, two hands today. I already got them. The power is only present for what you need, see? That's what, that's what the power was present. The power is present to give you what you need, right? See, you know. Um, The power is present to save people if people need saved. power is present to heal people if people need healed. I'm making a point out of this because I want you to see them needed to be healed. But them didn't get healed. Only one person got healed. Because only one person put a demand on the power. Only one. Look at this. Verse 18. It says, And behold, men brought into bed a man which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. So this, the King James uses the word palsy. It means he was paralyzed. And um, when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch or his bed into the midst before Jesus. Now, no, folks, that's radical. I said, that's radical. They tore the roof off the church. You know, it wasn't a church per se, but we're just using that, you know. Uh, Jesus was in somebody's house preaching, right? And uh, they can't get in because there's too many people. So they, they try. It says they couldn't find a way to get him in. So they're looking and trying to get him in. Now, we can't get him in through the back door. We can't get him in through the window. We can't get him in through the front door. So they took him up on top of the roof and tore the, tore the roofing off, the roof. And let the guy down. I call that putting a demand on the promise. See, sometimes we're too easily talked out of it. Are you with me? If, they, if things aren't easy, we get talked out of it. And I'll tell you, sometimes things aren't easy. Some things aren't quick. Sometimes you got to just stick with it and not... I like to say this about faith. Faith won't take no as the answer when God has said yes. When God has said yes, faith will not accept no. That's not the answer. That's not the answer. The devil will try to tell you no. People will try to tell you no. Preachers will try to tell you no. Other Christians will try to tell you no. But if God has said yes, it's yes and amen. And all the promises of God are yes and amen. And so, you know, healing was a promise in the Old Testament. Right? I mean, God said, if you walk in my ways, you keep my my statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon you which come upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that heals you. I'm I'm the Lord, your doctor, your physician. So that was a promise in the Old Testament, let alone the New Testament. It was a promise in the Old Testament. And it says... Uh, they couldn't find any way to get the guy in, so they just tore the roof off. And I want you to notice Jesus' response. And when he saw that, he said, haven't you guys been to membership class? What are you doing? This is somebody's house. What did he say? It says, when he saw their faith. Mm -hmm. You know, faith can be seen. I said, faith can be seen. He said unto him, Man, your sins are forgiven you. Okay? Now, verse 21. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who's this which speaks blasphemy, who can forgive sins but God alone? Well, see, there's where their faith went. They needed healed. They just lost it right there because they began to what? They began to reason. Reasoning will talk you out of your faith. Well, God might do that, but. That's reasoning. You know, yeah, I know. Maybe the Lord heals pastor, but I'm not pastor. That's reasoning. Maybe the Lord will do this for somebody, but not me. That's reasoning. And every time you run into reasoning, it it robs you of your faith. See, because it produces doubt. And so they they uh, they begin to reason. How many, you know? You don't need to reason. You just need to accept what God said in His Word. Forget the reasoning, like. Well, you know, because of this or because of that. No, no God said it. How many know it's yes and amen? Yeah. Now, no, now, notice what he said in verse 22. But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he, he answered, he said unto them, Why reason ye in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins be forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk? How many know, they're both the same, right? Yeah. It isn't any harder for me to say your sins are forgiven you than it is to say, rise up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power... Upon earth to forgive sins, he said unto the sick of palsy, I send you, arise, take up your couch or your bed and go into your house. And immediately he rose up before them and took up that whereon he lay. And he departed to his own house, glorifying God. They were all amazed. And, and notice they were all, and they all glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, boy, church was strange today. <laughs> I mean, somebody tore the roof off the church today. This was strange. And got healed. You know, and of course, you know, Jesus, Jesus, uh, you know, he, he was just showing them he, he, when he said your sins are forgiven. He was just showing them the same power that forgives your sins, the same power heals your body. It was all paid for by Jesus Christ. See, so not one one's not harder than the other. It's no more harder to get healed than it is, it's, you know, get forgiven. They're, they're the same. They're all paid for the same way. Now, look at Mark chapter five. Mark chapter 5, we're, going to just, we're not going along this morning, I don't think. I don't think I have a whole lot, but what I have to share, uh, we need to get a hold of this. Yes. We need to put a demand on the promises. Yes. Amen. Amen. Put a demand on them. Don't just, I hope you hear what I'm saying. You don't leave this in God's hands because it's not His turn. Right. It's not His turn. It's our turn. Right. If it were His turn, then we'd be waiting on Him. But now, it's our turn. He's already done something. He's already moved. He's already paid the price. He already, he already bought our healing. He already bought our deliverance. He already bought our salvation. See, when you think about it in the terms of salvation, if someone was to, if you were to witness to somebody and they were to say, well, um, you know, I'm just leaving it in God's hands. You know that's not right, don't you? You know, because it's your move now. God's already done something. See, every promise of God, God's already done something. It's our move now, not, not His move. Amen. And we don't understand that. We're waiting on Him and nothing's going to happen because He's already moved. It's like playing checkers. Remember when you a kid you played checkers? You you move when it's your move, right? Unless you're playing the grandkids and they just move whenever they want to move. You know what I'm saying? You know when they're little. Now look at this. I want to show you something here. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. It says, And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years, that's a long time, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. So this woman's been trying to get healed for a long time. It's cost her everything she had, and uh, which she must have been a lady of, of some wealth to be able to pay the doctors for twelve years. Mm-hmm. So she's lost everything, and says when she heard of Jesus, glory to God. Amen. She came in the press behind and touched his garment. How I many know she's putting a demand? For she said, if I may touch buddy's his clothes, I shall be whole. Now listen, folks, the Amplified Bible here says she kept saying this. She didn't just say this once. She kept saying, if I may touch buddy's his clothes, I shall be whole. It's important what you say with your mouth. And straightway, notice this, the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of that plague And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that that power had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my my clothes? And the disciples said unto him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? Well, this is really important. How many know he's in such a crowd, a lot of people are bumping into him. A lot of people are touching him. That's why the disciples said to him, you're asking who touched you? It might be easier to say who didn't touch you. Everybody's bumping into you. But see, not everybody was putting a demand on the promise. Just one. Just this one woman. You think that there were probably other people in this, a crowd like that, that that needed healed? You can't get... 10 people together and there's not, and somebody not need healing. Right? If he has a crowd so big that, you know, they call it the throng. It's a big crowd. There's a lot of people there need healed, but only one gets healed because only one made a demand. Only one. Oh, they maybe, you know, you can, you can sing about the healing power. You can sing about God's promises, but you have to make a demand on them. And, and his disciples, verse 31, said unto him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? He looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all, all the truth. He said unto her, Daughter, listen to this, thy faith. Notice he didn't say, My power. Now what, now, now, now let me stop for a minute. What did really heal her? Well, it was the power, wasn't it? The power that fixed it. But he didn't talk about the power. Because why? The power's for whoever. He talked about what got the power. Right. Amen. Yeah. You know, uh, if we come in here in the building and it's dark, you know, and there's no lights on, we don't talk about the power company, do we? No. We don't say, oh man, why... What, what what's going on with the power company? There's, the lights aren't on. We know better than that, right? What we know the power's there, right? It, what what do we talk about? Somebody go flip a what? A Somebody go flip a switch. Why? Because that's what's going to activate the power. Right. It, we're not going to talk about the even though even though it's the power company. How I many of if the power company stops, the switch doesn't work. Right. So the power company is important. But 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 we take that that's a that's a given, right? The power's going to be there. Amen. We have it so you know we have it so cushy today, and thank God for the power. I've been in those places where there wasn't any power. It's not fun. Amen. You know I've been there. You know where they cut the power. I remember one time going to it was in one country, and you only got power for. A certain so many hours a day you know the rest of it you can forget power you know you didn't have power so i i couldn't get fix my hair or anything on that and i was preaching you know in a meeting you know low dryer wouldn't work curling iron wouldn't work i just had to go like this it's times like that you thank god thank god i, I you know i got hair like i got it praise god amen now, you know, so power is, power is a given thing, but the thing with this, it is, it's who flipped the switch on. Who turned the switch on? So we come into the dark, but flip the switch on. That's what Jesus. That's all Jesus is saying. Yeah, it was his power that went out of him that healed uh, her, but anybody there could have had that power that needed that power. What, what he wanted to know, who, which one of you turned the switch on? Which one of you put a demand on the promise? Which one of you did that? He wanted to know. And the woman, the Bible says, you know, she, fe- she was fearing and trembling. She didn't know if she was in trouble or, or what. Maybe she took something she shouldn't have taken. But he said, no, daughter, your faith made you whole. Go in peace, be whole of your plague. Your, your, your faith pulled this power out. Your faith put a demand on the promise. I mean, we have to put a demand on the promises of God. Romans chapter t- t- 8. Let's go there. Romans chapter 8. Go there. We'll look at this in one more scripture. Come on, are you getting anything today? Yeah, yeah. Romans chapter 8. A little different today, a little more laid back, but we're, we're learning some things here. Romans chapter 8. We've got to put a demand. It's not, it's not, it's, see, I think sometimes what happens is it's because we know about the promise, we think that's good enough, but we have to put a demand on it. We have to demand it. Now, we're not demanding God. God's not withholding anything. We're demanding that that power be released in our life. Amen. Did all hell get out of the way? Because we're going to have it. Right. Amen. It's just like that money down at the bank. If you know you got the money in there, how many know you got a right to put a demand on it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't demand what you don't have. But if you got it, you can demand it. Yeah. Right. Amen. But it won't do you any good, you know? You know, it's like I heard, <clears throat> I think, and I've told this story before, but I, I think it was, uh, oh, I think it was, uh, oh, gosh, he's D.L. Moody. Uh, who pastored in Chicago. And, you know, he he told a story one time, and he was talking about how, you know, he uh, his church was uh, f- was 5,000 people. Well, you know, he there was no way he could check on everybody in there or visit everybody in there. You know, there's no way he couldn't do that. He wouldn't, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be possible, you know. Still have a life. And so he had other ministers that helped him and worked with him. And he would always tell them, he said, now, if there's a case here, you know, if somebody needs prayer or something. And you think I ought to go see them. If it gets to that point where you think I ought to go see them, you tell me and I'll go see them. But otherwise you guys take care of, you know, praying for people and hospital visitation and, you know, they did probably a lot of the weddings and funerals, you know. They, you, you would just have to. And he said one day uh, some of his ministers approached him and said, well, there's this older lady that's been coming to our church for years and I think you ought to go see her, Pastor. said, you know, um, she, she's not well and she's you know, poor and lives in this certain place. It's really poverty stricken. And I think you ought to go see her. And she said, okay, I'll go do that. And so he did. He said, when I went to see her and, and to visit her, he said, I saw a document on her wall hanging up there. And I asked her about it because he said, to me, it looked like it might be something important. And he said, I asked her, I said, now, what is this document on your wall? And she said, well, she said, I used to work for this really wealthy couple. And, you know, the wife passed on and The husband's still alive and he wanted me to still stay around and work. And so I worked for him, you know, for some years. And then he gave me this document and framed, you know, and gave it to me uh, for, you know, for my service to him. And then, you know, he passed on, you know, and I've had this ever since. It means a lot to me because I really love that couple. And so he looked at it and he thought, there's something to this, you know, And, and he said, can, can I take this and have this checked out? And, um, she said, "Well, yeah. If you're careful with it, make sure you bring it back." Well, I'll be careful. So, pastor got the document, took it down. I don't know where he took it. I can remember the story now. But he took it somewhere, got it checked out, and it was actually—it uh, was actually stock in in a certain company. And the lady was worth millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. She, she'd had. He asked her. She said, "I've had this for years." Lady, you've been worth millions of dollars for years. You're living in poverty. You're barely making it. And you're a multimillionaire because you didn't know what you had. She didn't know, And so, you know, the rest of her life was spent living a lot better than what she had been living. But what was the problem? Well, she wasn't putting a demand on anything. She had something. She just didn't know it. And if you don't know it, you can't put a demand on it. But how I know mean, most of us can't plead ignorance, right? Right. right? But even if you have it, you know what? You got to demand it. Right. You got to demand. This is the way it's going to be in my life. I'm putting a demand on the promise. Now we're not demanding God. God's not withholding. You don't demand God. How I many know demanding God's not going to go very far. God's not withholding it. We're demanding that, that pro- we're putting a demand by our faith on that promise to manifest in our life, because it's ours. It belongs to us. Hallelujah. Amen. I don't know about you. I mean, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not hard to get along with, but I want what's coming to me. Yeah. Come on now. You know, I get so amused. At our government act like they're doing us a great big favor by giving us our money. Yeah. Aren't we wonderful? We're going to give you a $600 check. Aren't we wonderful? Vote for us again. Uh, you took my money, and now you're giving it back to me, and you want my vote for you doing that? I don't think so. Well, anyway, that went over big, but praise God. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's just like they act like Social Security. You know, it's like, oh, look how compassionate your government is. Man, we've we, we been putting money in that account for years and years and years. If we'd have put that in some other account, we had have been multimillionaires. But now, the way you guys yeah, invested it, it didn't make much money at all. All right, moving right along. Praise the Lord. I got another question. I brought this up with Phyllis more than once. Why do our police get paid less than our politicians? When they do far more for us than our politicians do. Just a question. Now, some politicians do, do a lot for us, but the majority don't. And some police don't do much for us, but the majority do a good job. Right? All right. Praise God. You know, I think about some of these politicians, man. They want to just, you know, the, some of the stupid things they do, and we pay them good more than our police. I don't understand it. But anyway, thank God. Amen. Thank God for good ones. Amen. Thank God for good police. Amen. Thank God for good painters. <laughs> They're hard to find. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Thank God for good preachers. Amen. You know, they used to say, don't lend, don't lend money to the three Ps. Anybody know what they are? Policemen, politicians, and painters. I don't know why they said that, but anyway. Hallie. Just thought you wanted to know that, all right? Praise God. I, you know I'm a preacher, so no offense to politicians and painters. Amen. Now, all right. Now, <laughs> you don't understand that you don't because painters, painters will take your money and not come back and do the job. All right. Preachers are dishonest. What did I say? Oh, there's four P's. I'm sorry. Preachers, politicians, painters. What was the other one I said? Police. There we go. All right. The four Ps. Let's just move on. Romans 8, you find it? Well, if you've been looking for it that long, you know, don't, don't laugh at me. All right. Romans chapter 8, verse 2. Look at this. For the law of the, the, law of the spiritual life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. I was just thinking this message isn't going on any tape tables soon that I have. All right. (laughs) For the law of the Spirit of life. Everybody say Spirit of life. life. Notice this. Who's it in? So it didn't show up till Christ Jesus, right? Right. Hath made me free from the law of sin and death. So see, there's basically two laws working in the earth. The law of the Spirit of life and the law of sin and death. Now, which one of those sounds like a good thing? Spirit of life, see. Sin and death. What does that mean? Well, see, listen. What he's saying is there's a curse out there. And the curse, because of the curse, you have to work to get good things to come up in your life. Right. Amen. I want you to think about this now. You know, just like in the natural. Look at this. Weeds, if, weeds they just come up automatically. Right. Yeah. They're not... Nobody, you don't, you don't even see anybody out working on their yard and you stop and say, you know, they're fertilizing it and all, and, and you stop and say, what are you doing? And say, well, you know, I'm trying to get the weeds to grow. <laughs> you don't have to do that. No. They're part of the curse. See, God said, he said to Adam, he said, when he fell, he said, and to Eve, he said, you know, uh, you're going to have a hard time bringing forth life, talking to the woman and giving birth, you're going to have a hard time there. Uh, he told Adam, he said... The ground, going to have a hard time bringing forth things in the ground and you sweat of your face will you earn your bread. And, you know, he talked about how because of the curse that came on the earth because of Adam's sin, it's going to be hard to get life to come, life and things to grow. Well, uh, it, that's, that's the way it is because of the curse. You have to work to get good things up in your life. They don't just automatically pop up. They're yours, but you have to, you have to demand it. You have to, you have to put a demand on the promise. Amen. Amen. So, you know, just like you put a demand on the soil to get grass. You know, grass is starting to green right now. And so you have to work on it to get good grass. You have to work at it. You have to fertilize it. You know, you have to do certain things to it to make sure that you get a good crop of grass. You have to work at it. The same thing's true in your life. You, you know, the curse is out there, but thank God the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from it. Yeah. Hallelujah. I like to think of it, I talk about this, but I like to think of it as like, you know, when you uh, fly an airplane or you fly in an airplane, uh, you know, you don't do away with the law of gravity. You just supersede it. We found out years and years ago that there's a law called the law of lift, law of, combined with the law of thrust, and it overcomes gravity. It works every time. You know, the, the wing on the airplane is, is rounded up is curved up on top, flat on bottom. So when you push that thing through the air, you give it thrust, you know. You get more thrust than you have drag. And it starts pushing that plane through the air. Well, that, that, the, the air flowing underneath the, uh, the wing begins to lift the plane because, uh, you know, there's a low pressure versus high pressure, you know, situation, and it begins to lift the thing up. It works all the time, all the time. You know, and so it works, and so it it doesn't do away with gravity. It just helps you overcome it. The law of the spirit of life doesn't do away with the law of sin and death or the curse. It just helps you overcome it. Hallelujah. Now, how do we do that? Well, let's go to Romans 10. We're closing right here. Romans chapter 10. Romans the 10th chapter. And I want you to go. This is so simple, but it's so it's so deep at the same time. <clears throat> and let's go to Romans chapter 10 and verse 6. The Bible says, <clears throat> excuse me, but the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise. Say not in your heart, who will, into, who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above. See, this is the way righteousness by faith, it doesn't talk this way. It doesn't say who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, who will descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ from the dead. In other words, righteousness which is by faith doesn't say who's going to bring Jesus on the scene to do something. What does it say? The word, verse 8, is nigh you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So what, is the, what does the righteousness of faith say? It says the word's nigh you in your, mouth, in your heart, in your mouth and in your heart. In other words, your, your deliverance is in your heart and your mouth. That Verse 9, that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. Isn't that something? For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says whoever believes on Him will not be ashamed or disappointed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord is rich over unto all that call upon Him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, how do you call upon the name of the Lord? Well, He just told us. If you confess with your mouth, you call upon the name of the Lord. So what are we saying here? We're simply saying this. Look, the promises of God are all yes and amen, but you have to put a demand on them. And the way we put a demand on them, in one way, is by... our heart and our mouth. We get the promise in our heart. Then we confess it with our mouth. And that's the way we talk. Right? In other words, this is the way it's going to be in my life. Right? See, so you're, you're, you, whatever the promise might be, this is the way it's going to be. Glory to God. What would happen to you if you, if you just, if you got born again, gave your life to Jesus Christ, you know, you're truly saved. But every day you go around saying, I just don't think I'm saved. I just don't think I'm saved. I just don't feel saved. I just don't think I'm saved. How many think you're going to stay walking with the Lord very long talking that way? No. No. I don't know about you, but I'm so convinced I'm saved, I'll say I'm saved. Somebody, are, you, are you saved? Are you, Yeah, I'm saved. I'm born again. It's like a group came to Brother Hagin. He was preaching one time, he said. He said, I was preaching. He said, I saw these group of ministers out there, you know, which were... They, they, they believed that the only ones that were going to heaven was them. You know, their, their church denomination. You weren't part of our denomination. You weren't even saved. One of those kind. And so he said, they came to him after the service and they said to Brother Hagin, I love this. It was so funny. He said, that group came to him and said, now, we want to talk to you. And he said, what about? They said, well, they said to him, if you're saved, we're not. I love Brother Hagin's answer, Pastor Jack. He said, That's the best indication I've ever had that you're not saved. Because I know I am. Now I mean, that's not arrogance. That's just being confident in what you have in your heart about the word of God and what it says to you. Amen. And you're going to say what the Word says. I don't care what anybody else thinks about it. Are you with me? See, I'm healed whether I look healed, feel healed, I am healed. Because the Scripture says I am. Now, I'm going to put a demand on that. Now, maybe, I, maybe, maybe in the natural my body needs some help, but the truth is I'm healed. And that's what I'm going to put a demand on that. Amen. Amen. I already have it because the Bible says I have it. Does that mean I don't feel, I never feel symptoms of sickness? No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about what belongs to us. Amen. What I may be experiencing right now, it may not match what belongs to me, but that's just temporary. That's subject to change. And it is going to change because I'm going to stay with God's word. I'm going to make a demand on the promise. I got something. I mean, think about, it. you know, people always thought, you know, Jesus was 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 broke and didn't have any money and all, you know, because that one scripture where this guy said, I want to follow you. And Jesus said, Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man doesn't have anywhere to lay his head. And look, he was Jesus was so poor he didn't have a place to sleep. Well, did you know at that time he was traveling in ministry? And he didn't, he went, he didn't have any, any particular home or dwelling place to go to. He wasn't talking about he didn't have any money. He didn't have any home. Actually, the his, history proves he had a home in Capernaum. He had only his own home. And also, he had a treasurer. Yeah. Broke people don't need treasurers. Yeah. Right? So, you know, people take that and they say, Oh, look at that poor Jesus, he didn't have anything and all that. No, he had some things. See, when you have something, you can put a demand on it. When you know you have it, God wants us to put a demand on his promises. If you don't know what they are, look in his word. Look in and start with the New Testament. Just begin reading. In every place that says, you know, in Christ, you can just say, That's what I am, that's what I have. And I'll tell you, there's some scriptures just kind of cover everything. The Bible says we're joint heirs with Him. That pretty much covers everything. Everything He has, we have. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Uh, there's Some of those scriptures that are just so powerful, they just cover everything. You know, like, uh, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Praise yeah. God, I'm a world overcomer. Yeah. Praise the Lord. My God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory. Man, that's a wide scripture. That covers it all, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Himself took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses. Matthew 8, 17. Guess what? I'm healed then. You say, Pastor, do you have anything physically bothering you today? Yeah, but I'm healed. I don't understand that. No, I'm not denying that I might have an issue. I'm just saying that it's already in the bank. I just got to go get it out. Oh, yeah. I've been, you know, I I try to avoid this, but I've had times where I've been in situations where, you know, I didn't have any money on me right now. You ask me, you got any money? No, I don't have any on me. None, zero. But I still had money because it's in the bank. Amen. I just got to go put a demand on it. Right? See, I don't know how much I got in my billfold right now. I'm not sure, but you know, under a thousand, I like to keep her topped off a little better than that. But you know, it's under that. So anyway, if you came to me and said, "Well, Pastor, I need, you know, I got a, I got a really bad need. I need two thousand dollars." Well, I couldn't give it to you right now. I didn't say I didn't have it. I got it. I just can't give it to you right now. I may not be in possession of it, but it's still mine. Yeah. Are you listening down? Yeah. I may not be in possession of the promise, but it's still mine. It's in the bank. I just got to go put a demand on it. Now, if you give me some time, if you need a couple thousand, I'm not going to do this, by the way. I'm just, <laughs> a story. Everybody says story. But if you say, Pastor, I need a couple thousand dollars, and I'm so inclined to help you, I could do it. I can't, I can't do it right now. And I'm going to lunch first. This is a severe emergency. But I can go, I can get to it. I've got access to it. I don't know if I can dig it up at home. I might be able to. I don't know. I think I probably could dig it up at home. If I can, I can go to the bank and get it. Amen. Are you following my example? See, we may not, there may be some things we don't possess right now, but but you know what I'm saying, what I mean by possess, let me say that different. We may not be in possession of it, but it's ours. All we got to do is make a demand. Amen. 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 Thank God for His Word today. Hallelujah. Everybody say, I'm making a demand demand. on the promise. promise. Hallelujah. Amen. That concludes today's message. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Thanks for listening.